let's talk about what is your legacy? What is your legacy and really what should your legacy be? If you don't know what it is, let me help you find your legacy. So to do that, I wanna talk about a few things. First off, the ancient Egyptians had a saying that you die twice, once when you stop breathing and a second time when someone utters your name for the last time. So what is the legacy that you are leaving behind? The legacy that someone remembers your name for a very long time? Or the legacy that someone remembers what you did for other people, what you did to impact the lives of those around you. That's a decision that you make, what's more important to you, but I'm gonna give you a couple examples of legacy in the world. All right, so the first one I'm gonna go to is Jonathan Edwards. Not the Jonathan Edwards that most of you are thinking about, but some of you may be thinking about the British triple jumper, Jonathan Edwards. Was that the one you guys were thinking about? No triple jump fans in here. Okay, that's the one where you have to run and kind of do like a weird skip and then a hop and then jump, and that's your triple jump. He wanted to be in the Olympics for the British Olympic team. So he did, he trained very hard. And in 1988, Jonathan Edwards went to the Olympics and finished 23rd in the triple jump. But that's all right, he was not to be discouraged. He tried again four years later in 1992 and finished 35th. Jonathan Edwards is not headed in the right direction. That's okay though, not to be discouraged. He trained harder, went further, and in 1996, went to the Olympics and won a silver medal in the triple jump. That's great. I am registered for the ping pong tournament. Silver in the Olympics would be great. I'm just looking for a participation trophy. So <laughs> now I would perfectly be happy getting third place in the Olympics in anything but he was not content. He knew what he wanted and he strived even further. And in the year 2000, four years later, now this guy has been training for the Olympics and going to the Olympics for almost 20 years. And he finally got a gold medal. Not just that, he set the world record that still exists today. So what did Jonathan Edwards do with all of this years of training? Did he go on to be an Olympic coach? Did he go on to train other British athletes? He became an announcer and used his experience to tell other people, well, this is what I would have done. You know, he would watch Olympic events and say, well, when I was training, when I was doing this, this is what I did. And since then, since 2000, 21 years later, the British team has not won another medal in the Olympics in the triple jump. Jonathan Edwards cared more about his name. Now, that's great. He owns a world record. That's fantastic. But the legacy of his country and what he trained hard to do kind of went by the wayside because he was unable to help others obtain what he had. So now let's switch gears to talk about Dennis Johnson, the 1959 Pan American Games bronze medalist. If you go to his wiki page, that's all it says. <laughs> bronze medal, 1959 and the 100 meter dash. But he wanted to be in the Olympics. Dennis Johnson was from a small island you've probably heard of, Jamaica and he wanted to be a sprinter, as most people from Jamaica want to be. So he trained hard, he actually went to San Jose State, moved to the States, got on their team and tried hard to become a sprinter. Uh, he actually at one point tied the world record in a training session, but was never able to make it into the Olympics. But he took what he learned from the coaches at San Jose State, he went back to Jamaica 
And he decided that there are so many kids living in poverty that what I want to do is I want to start a two-year vocational school so that kids can come, learn how to be a good sprinter, learn how to run, but also get themselves out of poverty, learn a trade, and learn to help themselves. Now, if any of you are familiar with Jamaica, they are a powerhouse in sprinting now. Why? Because Dennis Johnson's small two-year school gained so much success that it became a four-year university, UTech Jamaica, and it is where the foremost runners in Jamaica train now. It's where Usain Bolt trained. It's where all of the other Jamaican sprinters trained. His legacy wasn't that he was the 1959 bronze medalist at the Pan American Games. His legacy is that he started a school that trained others to gain success. Which brings me to my first thing that I want to tell you. Your legacy should not be about your success, but it should be about the success you help others to obtain. Did you catch that? It's great to have your own success. You should have success in your life, but your legacy should be about the success you help others to obtain. Amen? All right, let's stand together as we read the word of God. As I said, we're in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, starting in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you. That I may be filled with joy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I am reminded you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us through Christ Jesus before the ages began. And now that which has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in. I am convinced that he is able to guard me until the day that has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound, the words that you have heard from me in faith through the love that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this one. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. We have all been given something great. It's our job to guard it. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for entrusting us, God. We thank you for giving us a portion that you deem us enough to be entrusted to, God. And we ask that you give us the power to guard it. I thank you, God, for all you've done. I ask that you open our hearts, our minds, and our ears that we hear what it is you have to save Save to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Now, I talked about what we have. We've been given something great that we are to guard. Uh, I'm talking about our kids, our next generation, our legacy. Not just the legacy of Waters Church, but of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, we have all ages back there. You know, those rooms currently meeting are zero uh, all the way through to middle school, which I know that most of you are on the edge of your seats right now figuring out how can I serve in the middle school ministry. I know, but we do need you in other places too. You know, and not everybody should go to that one room, but most of you should. So we have that. And then on Wednesday nights, we've now switched it. Wednesdays, we have our Elevate ministry. That's our high school ministry. It meets here six to eight every Wednesday. So we have every range of groups that you could help plug into and kind of speak in to that next generation. But let's talk about, we're talking about a legacy we want to set and what the generation is. Let's get to point number one and figure out what our legacy is. Point number one is that your legacy should be generational. We just read there in those, uh, those scriptures, the generational legacy that was laid out for Timothy. It said, when we went from your grandmother Lois into your mother Eunice and now resides in you. That tells us specifically that Timothy was raised by people who loved and feared the Lord. And that generational fear and love of the Lord was passed down from his grandmother to his mother and then continued mother to son and gave us Timothy as we have now. Now a little background if you don't know Timothy. Uh, he was actually a bishop of the early church. He was someone who was put into a, a position of authority over the early church. Um, he was a fervent follower of Paul. He went sometimes out before him or with him on his missionary journeys and kind of set the stage or helped to promote what he was doing throughout all the missionary journeys he went on. Now, he did all of this, and we know from reading the scriptures, he did all of this with frequent ailments. At one point, Paul writes and says, I know that you have frequent ailments, and I say, drink a little wine instead of just water to help with that. So this is a guy who's giving of himself repeatedly over and over, even though he doesn't feel good, even though he has frequent ailments, enough to where Paul felt it important enough to write to him and say, hey, take care of yourself, man, because I need you. Actually, at one point later, Paul says, I have no one like him when talking about Timothy. I have no one like this guy. I could, basically, I couldn't do my ministry without him. He's an amazing man of God that goes and sets the stage for me. Tim was also a co-author of 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. Someone who Paul, a prolific writer who gave us most of our New Testament, seeked out the help of Timothy to be a co-author on many of these books. And again, who said, I have no one like him. Timothy was a man who followed his generational legacy, but he followed his legacy to the glory of God. He cared more about perpetuating what he had already learned in his generations so he could cast that out amongst all the other people because he realized it's more important for that generational legacy. In Psalms 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause, like the noon sun. Delight yourself in the Lord, delight yourself in his ways and he will bless you. That's what I'm here to make sure you understand. God has a blessing for everybody in this room, but it's up to us to receive that blessing. Now, you don't often receive things by sitting and waiting. You receive them by going and grabbing them. 
And I want you guys to understand that sometimes you have to go out and grab that opportunity that God has to bless you and your walk. Now, we're talking about the next generation. And we're not trying to raise the next Elon Musk or the next Mark Zuckerberg. Now, we are trying to raise our kids to do great things. But those guys do great things in the physical world. Those guys do things that make temporary change here. Change that could last hundreds of years, of course. But change that will only matter in the physical life here. We can raise our kids to make changes in the physical life here, but to go beyond that and to make an eternal, everlasting change in the world, which I'm sure we can all agree is what we really need. When you think about the next generation, when you talk about change in the world, that happens when you change the next generation coming. If you look in John 17, it says, I pray for you. I don't pray for the world. I pray for you because God chose you. Why doesn't he pray for the world? Why does he pray for you, not the world? Because if you want to change the world, you change the generation. You change the people who will become the next politicians, the next pastors, the next laborers, the next voters. You change the generation that is to come who will institute that change. So if you want to see change in the world, yes, pray that our world gets better, but change the next generation who will change the world for better. Change the generation that can step up and bring God back into our world. We've been in a place where God has been removed from our world by previous generations. So now we're raising a generation of people who are living in a world with God removed. So if we want to bring God back, we can't just go and try to force God back in. Change the generation and get them to bring God back in. I have an example. A good friend of mine actually sent me a picture this week. Uh, his daughter uh, goes to a high school, and she <laughs> found it important enough that during class took a picture of her screen and sent it to him. And it said, in the year 46 million BP, and then in parentheses, it said, before present, the African ape was split into two distinct species, humans and chimpanzees. So let's get past the fact that we're talking about the origin of species and all that stuff in school. Let's get to the fact that they took out before Christ, so much so that the kids would have known what BC meant, but they had to put in parentheses what they meant by P BP because nobody would know. So they're changing the verbiage to remove any part. But we can't say before Christ in school. Why? Because Christ's legacy was so amazing that 2,000 years later, we're still judging time by his birth. So let's get rid of that. We can't let our kids know that what they were raised on is knowing that our time halted at one point and started over when our Savior was born. So let's get that out of there. It's before the present. It's before right now is when we did that. We need to be more worried about raising the next David, the next Daniel, the next Esther, the next Paul. Now, you might say, how do we raise those people in this generation, a broken generation that's, that's torn down, that's, that's BP and not BC? How do we do that? Well, God put everybody where they are, when they are, for a specific reason. So don't ever think that it's terrible that your kids are being raised in this world with all of the evils happening and all of the bad things. Don't ever think, why did God bring my kids in now? They're here for a reason. God put David when he did 
because he knew that David could slay Goliath. He put Daniel where he did because he knew he could go into the lion's den and walk back out without any mark on his body at all. He knew that Esther could handle Haman. He knew that Paul could handle the missionary journeys. He knew the exact time and moment of why he was putting people where. And he put all of these kids here now for this reason. To be the legacy, to be the next step in bringing his name back into this world and perpetuating the love of Jesus that the world once had. That brings us to point number two in our notes. Our vision for legacy should be concise. I think we can all agree that Jesus left a pretty good legacy, right? I mean, we're still talking about it. We're still here for it. Left a pretty good legacy. His ministry was three years long. In three years, he was able to make a 2,000-year impact on the world. Now, I'm not saying that we're like Jesus and that it's going to be that easy for us. But it is quick, it's concise, and we knew exactly what Jesus wanted us to do. In 2 Timothy 1.16, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. I mean, at its very small, basic level, that's what we, God gave us a playbook. His ministry was short, but it was impactful, and it was all things to all people. When he went, when Jesus went out and had to uh, interact with Romans, he knew what the Romans knew. He knew what they believed. He knew what they thought. And he talked to them about the same message, but with the ways they would understand. The same thing with the Jews, the Gentiles, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. He didn't change his message. He just changed the way he presented his message because he was all things to all people. And the message is always the same. My father's word is truth and I am your savior. That's the basic truth of it. Go out and be good people in the world. Accept me in your heart, love me, make me your savior, and then just go bless people. Go love other people. Stop being selfish. Don't worry about your legacy, but go and speak into the next generation. Love your neighbor as yourself. It was very simple what he wanted to do. Now, in Waters Kids, we try to make it as simple as we can and as concise as we can. When you come in to serve, we have everything laid out. We have it already done in all the age groups all the way through. We have the, the, the papers cut out. We have the crayons laid out. We have everything ready, a step-by-step guide, and we schedule you in advance. So we, too, try to make it simple and concise. But what's it for? Why do we do that? It's so that we have these kids for one hour. You know, we listen to the whole BP thing I just said. Those kids are in school for almost 30 hours a week getting told all of these different things. We have one hour a week to try and correct them with truth, to try and show them what the world is really all about. So we have to make it short and concise and impactful for them at their age level the way they need to hear it so that they understand you can be in the world, but you don't have to be of this world. You can hear what they're saying, but you can know what the truth really is. That brings us to point number three in our notes. Our legacy should be his legacy. 
our legacy should be his, God's legacy. John 6.38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus saying, I didn't come here to do what I want to do. I came here to do what he wants me to do. I came here to make his impact known. And then in Luke twenty two forty two, it says, saying, this is again Jesus saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours. Even up until death, he knew that what he was being asked to do was difficult. He was dying on the cross for all of our sins. He knew it was difficult. And he said, but if this is what you want, I will do it. Now, we have a lot of different reasons we might say we can't quite fulfill his legacy. It's, it's difficult for me because um, I don't know if I'm the best one for the job. Uh, this isn't, I'm not trained in working with kids. I'm not experienced. I don't have kids. How can I help out? Um, I'm not qualified. I'm, if I go back there, I'm going to be in over my head. Uh, I'm going to feel lost or I'm going to feel exhausted. You might, but there's good news. We already have everything we need within us. Now, every week people come in here and they're captives to something. They're captives to uh, addiction, to pain, to financial woes, to issues in their marriage. There's, there's things that we come here to release to the Father at the altar. So we're, we're captive to something. Some of us might be captive to complacency. We're happy right where we are. I come to church once a week. I go to small group once a week. I serve once a month. I'm good. Like I'm skating through and I'm very comfortable. I'm going to challenge you today to break out of your comfort zone, to step up and do something that might seem like a lot for you to do. And you're like, how can I do that? I just told you I'm not qualified. I might be exhausted. I'm in over my head. Well, in Ephesians, what's it say? It says, now to him who is able to do far more than we can ask or think. I always stop right there. More than I can ask or even think. According to the power at work within us, the Holy Spirit who is at work within us, he can do all of that for us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. There was never a point. The world decided at some point to stop to stop serving God, to stop doing it. The world made that choice. We never made that choice. We still must go out and speak the word of God with what we have in front of us. We can't even think about the things God can do if we just ask. I mean, tell me one thing that's more important than leading a child to Christ. Being tired, I'm too tired. Is that more important than leading someone to Christ? A child to Christ, finding their savior in a world in which they need it? I'm not qualified. Are the qualifications more important or relying on the Holy Spirit knowing, not thinking, but knowing he will qualify you. He will teach you. He will lead you in the way that you need to go. In John 14, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send me by my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So when you're getting worried about if you have the skills, if you have the abilities to do it, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, but I don't have a great memory, and bring to remembrance all that I've said. 
I have my notes up here. I can look at those. But the first thing I pray whenever I'm coming up to speaker is bring to remembrance. Because I know I'm going to forget something. I can't rely on me. Bring to remembrance all that you've taught me. You have everything you need. You have all the tools you need already. We're going to set up those rooms. Let God set up your heart. Let God prepare you to see what he has for you. Don't be afraid to step out and see what blessing God has for you when you step out on behalf of his ministry. When you step out and decide, I am going to help with the legacy of your word, your gospel. We need to tell these kids how much God loves them, how much God cares for them in a world where lots of people say nobody cares. Nobody wants to know. Nobody cares about you. We need to know that we care. We love you. Now, I have a big ask. The big ask is, will you step up and speak into the future of Waters Church and his ministry here? Not just will you step up and, and help Waters Church. I want you to help the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to help these kids. Now, listen, I, I don't need you to serve. We've, God has blessed us at this point with people. We've, we've had points where we've had 20 people serving in the ministry back there. Week after week, the same people. But God's always provided. But they need you. I want you to serve. They need you to serve. We currently, uh, over all of our locations, it takes about 150 people a month to work and waters kids throughout our locations. That's making sure that there are at least two people in every room for safety reasons and so that all of those kids can hear at their level about Jesus. Imagine if you had one, one leader over 25 kids. Do you think that they can actually speak to all those kids and let them know the love Jesus has for them? So we, need, we overstaff the rooms. We make sure we have two people, not just one. We'd love to have three. We'd love to have four people that can spend individual time with all of these kids. Right now, so that's 150 people over all locations every week. We currently have 50. We were at a third of what we need, but we're making it work. God's making it work. He's going to make sure that his mission is accomplished no matter what. I'm just asking you to help make it a little easier. Speak into those lives back there. Now, let me tell you what it says uh, in 2 Timothy 2, 14 and 15. Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good. It only ruins the hearers. But do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. If you ask God big, you will receive God big. Ask God to equip you, and he will go beyond whatever you can even think, imagine, or speak to make sure that your blessing comes to you because you stepped up and did what he needed. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Listen to all those words. It's actions that you do. You ask, you go, you seek, you knock. And then it says, maybe I'll hear you. No, it says, and it will be opened to you. Just go and knock. Now, I've been up here talking to you, trying to get you on my team. 
But if it's not enough, what I've done, I'm going to give you an example of why it is important for these kids to hear about Jesus. I have a picture. I want to show you a friend of mine. There you go. Free lemonade. I could go for some free lemonade right now. This is Grayson Short. He is uh, one of our Waters kids. He's back in our orange room in the back. And a few weeks ago, Grayson decided he wanted to set up a free lemonade stand in his front yard just to bless people. That's all he wanted. But of course, if you guys went to get free lemonade, you're definitely going to give the kid a dollar, five dollars. Here, take my whole wallet. You're so cute. He made on his free lemonade stand $50. Wow, that's big for a kid, right? He's five years old getting $50. That's amazing. The very, he did that over the weekend. Sunday morning, he came in here with a Ziploc bag of $50 and said, I want to give this to the church. I want to, yeah, amen. I want to give this back. Now, he could have given 10%. He could have given 50%. That kid gave 100%. Why, though? Because he believes in what's happening back there. He loves this church because of what people just like you are doing week after week back there, making the gospel real to him, letting him experience God. Now, luckily, Jesus answered the big ask. Luckily, when he came down, he said, yes, Father, I'll go down. When he said, can you take this cup away from me? He said, I'll still do it. When he was on that cross and could have called down legions of angels to pull him off, luckily, he answered the big ask for us. Luckily, three days after he died, he rose again so that we could all have salvation through him. Now, when you guys leave today, uh, there's going to be QR codes up on the screens in the lobby. There's going to be people out front waiting to help you sign up if you so desire. We don't just need people in Water Skids. We need people. We are actually currently looking for a carpenter to help us build an indoor playground in that room back there. So you could have a certain skill that you're like, I know God can help me bless you that way. Or maybe you have a way that God's telling you, I can help the kids this way. You know, I don't want to say that all the other ministries aren't important because parking cars, if you can't park your car, you can't come into this church and your kids can't get blessed. If you guys can't be caffeinated at the cafe, you guys can't bring your kids in here. There are ways you can serve. But I'm telling you, that next generation, they need you. So my sermon in a sentence today to wrap things up is that God will provide what you need. You just need the faith to step out and fulfill his legacy.